Mark chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach again by the sea. And such a very great multitude gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and it came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased. They yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you it has been given, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, in order that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60 and hundredfold. And he was saying to them, and this is our parable for consideration this morning. A lamp is not brought to be put under a peck measure, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it should come to light. 
If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure it shall be measured to you, and more shall be given to you besides. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Now the theme of Jesus' parable in verses 21 through 25 that I just read in your hearing is connected to the previous context. In verses 1 through 20, our Lord presents and explains the parable of the sower and the four soils. And there he illustrates various responses of hearers to the preaching of the kingdom of God. So the disciples, hearing Jesus preaching that parable, they were curious about Jesus' method of teaching with parables. They were wondering, why don't you just plain state what you mean? Why do you tell stories like this? They wondered if Jesus was deliberately attempting to hide the truth from those outside. And so Jesus answers this question in the following parable, the parable of what has been called the lamp and the lampstand in verses 21 through 25. And our exposition of the parable of the lamp and the lampstand this morning is going to have three headings by way of exposition, and then we're going to come to a few words of concluding application. We're going to notice first, arresting instruction for a bright kingdom witness in verses 21 and 22, and then a pressing admonition for a careful hearing in verses 23 through the beginning of verse 24, and then finally a promise about increased or decreased light in verses 24b through 25. So let us consider then, first of all, arresting instruction for a bright kingdom witness in verses 21 and 22. Let me say by way of introduction that Jesus has just left the wider crowd standing on the beach. He gets alone to speak with greater intimacy to those who had demonstrated a deeper interest in him and his teaching. That would be the 12 and those others. And to the wider multitude, Jesus spoke in parables, but to the more receptive, he answered questions arising from those parables. Look at verse 10. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. They wanted to know why he teaches this way. Now you remember, you may remember Jesus' disciples wondered why he spoke in parables. We read in Matthew's parallel, Matthew 13 and verse 10, And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus is part, in part answering that question here in this parable, in the, this parable we call the lamp and the lampstands. He's teaching them that he spoke in parables, not to obscure the truth. No, he spoke in parables rather to excite the interest of his hearers. Teaching the truth with, with these homey pictures piqued the interest of the interested. They piqued, piqued their curiosity. They would want to know more. 
But it also had an opposite effect. It put off the careless and the unconcerned. Why is Jesus talking about a farmer? Why is he talking about casting seed? Why does he talk about tares and wheat? Why does he talk about a dragnet? Why does he talk about leaven? Why does he talk about birds nesting in the branches of, of a mustard tree? It just doesn't make sense to us. They're, they're interesting stories, but, you know, really, we've got better things to do than to listen to them. And so some of them would turn on their heels and they would leave none the better. So after teaching the crowds, Jesus would later explain his parables with greater clarity to the interested disciples. And he informed his, his apostles and closer disciples what we read in verses 11 through 13. And he was saying to them, to you, it is, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, get everything in parables, in order that while seeing they may not see and perceive, and while hearing they may not hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And how will you understand all the parables? You see, the chief purpose of Jesus' parables is not to darken the truth, but to illuminate it to those who are curious to know more about what Jesus is teaching. And brethren, we, we meet with a lesson here. No one goes away from Jesus' teaching unchanged. You see, we are either helped or we are hurt depending upon our response to his word. You see, the same light that illumines the receptive blinds the unreceptive. And as we're going to notice a little later, those who hear and heed the truth will receive more truth. And the opposite is also true. If they will not receive the truth, even what they have will be taken away from them. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. And whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken from him. So there's a lesson here. We are responsible to live up to the light that we have if we would be granted more light. But if we reject that light, we will walk in deeper darkness. Even what knowledge we think we have, God will take away from us. It's, it's the old principle, to whom much is given, much is required. Indeed, we must receive gospel light if we would share that light and grow in our understanding of it. Now, as we consider this arresting instruction for a kingdom witness, we're going to look, first of all, at an obvious observation. Our kingdom witness must not be concealed, but revealed. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a peck measure, is it? Or under a bed? So he uses this comical illustration to get their attention. It would be ludicrous to light a lamp and go and, and put it under a bushel basket or put it under a bed. It would just obscure the light. What's the purpose of a light? It's to shine. It's to illumine. 
He says, is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? Now remember Jesus' audience. He's addressing the 12 apostles and he's speaking to other serious disciples. He's just finished the parable of the sower and the soils. He's, he's called them already to sow the gospel seed. He's preached that they might be good ground hearers. He's instructed them that as gospel sowers, they, have, they will meet with various responses to the seed that they sow in their preaching. And now he's changing the imagery here. He's describing them not as seed sowers, but as light bearers. In the same way a sower must cast his seed, a lamp must shine its light. Only then would they fulfill their duty as sowers and as light bearers. In describing their calling and reinforcing their duty as light bearers in verse 21, Jesus asked the disciples these two questions, and of course they have obvious answers. The first one is no, and the second one is yes. Jesus likens the gospel of the kingdom to a light and Christians as lamps and their ministry as lampstands. As lamps are lit to illumine the darkness, so his disciples must shine the light of the gospel into this sin-darkened world. Such was the condition these, of these disciples, and such was our situation. They had been brought to light in Jesus Christ. They were once in darkness. Now they are in the light, and they are to bear the light. In fact, this is the way we were before God shined his light into our sin-blackened hearts. In fact, you and I are darkness until we are enlightened by God's saving grace in Christ. What Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians was true of us. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And bless God that we are able to walk as children of light, because the promise of the ancient prophet was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And brethren, we know from the scriptures that this light is Jesus Christ. And we no longer walk in darkness because we walk in the light of Christ. And so Jesus taught his disciples, and so he teaches us. John 8 and verse 12. Again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you have the light of life. God, by his grace, has shown into your heart the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you have come out of darkness into light. And you are now, to use the language of John, you are walking in the light, even as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. And notice, brethren, that Jesus here teaches us that light does not exist for its own benefit. Light exists for the benefit of others. As disciples... As his disciples, 
had received light, they were sent out as lights into the world. And brethren, we must not in our own lives hide the light of the gospel. We were just reminded of that, and we were exhorted in our singing of that final hymn. We love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Pray that that is true of each one of us. It's not just so many words that we mouth on a Sunday morning, but that Christ would be in our mouths throughout the week, that we would be lights shining for Christ. So that's the obvious observation. Our kingdom witness must not be concealed, but revealed in verse 21. But notice an illuminating purpose that kingdom witness presently is concealed, but it must later be revealed. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it should come to light. These disciples were light bearers. They were to go out and they were to take the light of Jesus Christ into the world. Remember that the primary subject of Jesus' parables is the coming. It's the nature of the kingdom of God. And here in verse 22, Jesus explains the point of his illustration of the lamp and lampstand and why his disciples must not obscure, but rather plainly proclaim his kingdom teaching. You see, kingdom truths that he was presently hiding in parables, they will one day openly proclaim and, and explain. The disciples, when Jesus sent them out, did not go like he did preaching in parables. They spoke plainly the truths that were hidden in those parables. And so with progressive clarity, the Lord Jesus explained these parables to his disciples. And what he was teaching them in private, he says, they must proclaim in public. And such was their identity as lamps. And their ministry was called to be lampstands. And this they would do after Jesus' ascension in widening circles, starting in Jerusalem outward to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the Gentile world. This was the calling of all the apostles, especially the apostle Paul, who referred to himself as the apostle to the Gentiles. He preached the good news of God's kingdom first to Jews always and then to Gentiles. In fact, the book of Acts closes with the apostle preaching the kingdom of God to all that would come to him. We read that he was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. So that is the arresting instruction for a bright kingdom witness. We are not to conceal the truth, but we are to reveal it. And what was then concealed now is being plainly revealed. And notice, secondly, a pressing admonition for a careful hearing. Verse 23. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. He said that just earlier. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. I am the light, I'm preaching the light, you're being exposed to the light. You listen and you preach what you've heard. You preach those truths plainly. Those things that you've heard in secret, preach them publicly. So Jesus here is emphasizing the importance 
of a careful hearing. You see, what we allow into our ears will come out of our mouth. Jesus' disciples could not be faithful heralds if they were not careful hearers. That's the connection between these verses. In this admonition, Jesus underscored by repetition, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. First of all, he commanded his disciples that they hear. If any man has ears, let him hear. The disciples could not relate to others what they hadn't received themselves. They must be those that hear the word of God, that they might speak the word of God. They must have open ears. Secondly, Jesus warned his disciples about the content of their hearing. Take care what you listen to, verse 24. There was much error in the world then, even as there is much error in the world today. They must turn their ears away from all error and false teaching and receive the truth as it is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so must we. You see, they must have dedicated ears, dedicated to hear the word of Christ, that they might preach the word of Christ. And for this reason, Jesus warned the twelve against the evil influence of others. He warned them against the leaven of the Pharisees and the scribes and against the leaven of Herod. Don't listen to those things because it is going to pervert your gospel. Thirdly, and just as important as the content of what goes into our ears, is the manner in which we hear. In Luke's parallel, Jesus warned his disciples, be careful how you hear, Luke 8, 18. In other words, they must have discriminating ears. They must display a humble, receptive, discerning disposition as they hear. That's crucial to a proper hearing if we would be burning and shining lights. You remember God's voice on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is lifted up and he is glorified. And Peter and James and John, they're there to watch. Peter's not really getting the message. And he said, why don't we build tabernacles for for these prophets and for Jesus. Moses and Elijah and Jesus, wouldn't that be great to have a conference with these three men speaking? And you remember what God said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Listen to me. And finally, after the pressing admonition, notice a promise of increased or decreased light in verses 24 and 25. Jesus says, by your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you and more shall be given besides. For whoever has to him shall more be given and whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. You remember Jesus' illustration. They are lamps bearing the light. They are lampstands that are to make it widely known. 
And here he ties the increase or decrease of light and knowledge and kingdom usefulness to his disciples' use of the opportunities that are given them. We're to use those and not, uh, not, um, not use them. We're to take the opportunities that we've been given. We've been given gifts that we must use. And so Jesus here is saying, use what you've been given and you will be given more. Refuse to use what you've been given and even what you have been given will be taken away from you. Jesus uses this same imagery in teaching about how we judge others. If we would receive mercy, we must show mercy in our judgment of others. Luke 6, verses 37 and 38. And do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And the same principle is used here in Jesus' parable of the lampstand. We're to use what we've been given, and it will be measured back to us. Jesus is saying here, invest the truth that you have learned in other people, and you will receive more truth from the Lord. Illumine others with the light you have received if you would receive more light. And there's a negative side of this promise too. Disciples that don't communicate to others the truth that they've received from the Lord, they will lose what they have. We have a bright promise and we have a frightening warning here in this verse. Similarly, in another of Jesus' parables, you remember that money was entrusted to a steward to be invested. It was later taken away from him. Why? Because he didn't invest it. He buried it in the ground. And the same principle is true here. Use it or lose it. Use your light or lose your light. And that brings us to some concluding observations and applications. Three points of application. First of all, see the necessity of not only learning gospel truth, but also of imparting that truth to others. We're to be filled up so that we might be poured out. We're to receive light that we might reflect light. To whom much is given, much is required. But brethren, let us not miss the principle of grace that undergirds this parable. You see, the riches of gospel truth the, the disciples had received from Jesus, they were to pass on to others. They have been enriched. They likewise were to enrich others with these gems of gospel truth that they had received from Christ. And so it is with us. Freely we have received, freely we are to give to others. Notice that we must be enriched by gospel truth, first of all, if we're going to enrich other people. For this reason, the writer to the Hebrews reproves some of his readers for being slow learners and 
forgetful hearers. Instead of being able to instruct others, they needed to be taught, again, the ABCs of biblical truth. The writer to the Hebrews in verse, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 5 writes, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, notice, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. They have their senses trained to discern good and evil because they put into practice what they had learned. We must not be those who are merely hearers, those who are intellectual, uh, those who appreciate the gospel from a purely academic standpoint. We are to put it into practice within our lives. And when we do, the Lord will grant greater grace and greater light. Notice that baby Christians grow into mature Christians and progress from milk to meat by practicing what they learn. And as they practice what they learn, they grow in their knowledge and they're able to teach others as well. Borrowing from our Lord's illustration of the lamp placed under the bushel basket, we face many temptations, don't we, to bury our light rather than to shine for Christ. Notice some of the more common reasons for hiding our light. We probably struggled with more than one of them ourselves. First of all, we don't bear the light because of selfishness. You might say, well, I'm okay with what I know. I really don't need to know any more. And I'll leave it to others to teach me. Or fearfulness. We don't shine the light of Christ. We don't impart the truth to others because of fearfulness. You know, people won't like me, and they may ostracize me if I share the truth. You know, I've done it before, and people just haven't liked it. And therefore, I think it's probably better if I just shut up. Or unbelief. People don't care what I have to tell them about Jesus. You know, if that was true, we would never witness to anyone because how many times do people shut us down rather than listen and learn? We're not to play the numbers game. Furthermore, laziness. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Pastor, but I got so many things to do, so many irons in the fire with my domestic and vocational responsibilities. I just don't have time to speak to others. Well, brethren, I, I, I know those that are busy bringing home the bacon and training their children and raising in a large family, and they still make time to go out and witness the gospel. Or doctrinal error. 
that sometimes will obscure our light. We've got, our views are infected, for instance, by hyper-Calvinism. God is going to save his elect. He's known from the beginning those who are his. And therefore, I don't need to go out and preach the gospel because someone else will do it. All those for whom Christ died, those that he chose, he will save them. And therefore, someone else can do it. Well, brethren, that's using the devil's logic. Or we might be infected with a little bit of universalism. You know, all people are going to be saved. I don't think any Christians I know believe that. But I'll tell you, in the church today, polls have been taken about the average person in the pew, what he believes about those people who are going to be saved and go to heaven. More than half believe that all roads lead to heaven. As long as you're sincere about your religion, Christianity just being one of them, you'll end up going to heaven when you die. What a terrible thing to be named in the church of Christ. Or worldliness. I see no need to be forward about Christ. Maybe you've heard this or said it yourself. I don't want to offend people with the Bible. I'm just going to love them to Jesus. I don't know how you love somebody to Jesus. Jesus says if you love people, you tell them the truth. How are they going to know behind your warm affections and, and kindness to them that it's for Jesus' sake? They won't know his gospel through your kindness. They might wonder why you're so kind to them. But if you don't tell them why you're kind to them, because God has been kind to me through Jesus Christ, they're not going to Put those ducks in a row. They're not going to figure that out. Brethren, if we're Christians, let's be honest. We, we see through such excuses, even though we might make them. We've been entrusted with a stewardship. Christ has given us his truth that we are to share for the blessing of others. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I don't think he's writing just to pastors when he says, whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Might we have the gospel dripping from our tongues? Brethren, let me say here that not all Christians are commissioned to be formal preachers and pastors. Not all are called to be evangelists and ap apologists for the Christian faith. And I would say not even all Christians have been called to necessarily be Sunday school teachers. But all of us are entrusted with a light that we might speak with others about Jesus Christ, whatever our calling is, whether we're in the pulpit or whether we're, we're behind the desk or whether we're in the shop or whether we have neighbors around. And I say this to my own exhortation. And I knew that when I sang, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love, that was gonna be an exhortation to me to put shoe leather to my preaching, shoe leather to my singing.
And some of you are doing that. You're striving to reach out with the gospel to the lost people around you. And may God increase your tribe. You see, we're all gifted to serve others. Matthew threw a party and he had his tax collector friends and prostitutes and all manner of those who live on the other side of the tracks come to his meal. Jesus wasn't offended by that. He applauded that. Let us learn gospel truth that we might impart gospel truth. Brethren, each one of us can point to Jesus Christ as a lamp shining in a dark place. Secondly, see the importance of carefully hearing the word of God. We come to faith and we grow in grace by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer. Remember Jesus' exhortation in this parable. First of all, be careful that you hear. Are your ears tuned to the word of God? Are they on that frequency? I fear that not all who fill pews in churches, I fear that many of them care little for the preaching of the word of God. I'm thankful for the carefulness that many of you give to the preaching of the word of God. I bless God for that. But the minds of many are on any other thing than the preaching of the word. And I hope I'm not speaking to any such person here this morning. But let me ask you, when you come to the services of the church, do you ask Christ to give you ears to hear? Do you come to hear a word from the Lord? Oh, it's just my own pastors that I hear. But do you hear the word of Christ coming through their mouths? I hope you don't come to hear me. I hope you don't come to hear Pastor Randy. And that's it. You come to hear the voice of Christ coming through the mouth of a mere man. Furthermore, you must be careful what you hear. Not all teaching and preaching squares with God's word. Many are the attractive voices of error that are seeking to gain your ear and turn your heart. Brethren, not all YouTube preachers and sermons are created equal. You know that if you've gone out there. You've, you've seen the landscape. It's not all pretty, is it? But how is it that a professing Christian gets lulled to sleep spiritually or who is led away to entertain novel and erroneous ideas. He's not careful what he hears. Brethren, we must know our Bible well enough so that we may test the spirits to see if they are of God. 
We must be careful what we hear. Finally, you must be careful how you hear. Do you listen with a a discerning ear? Do I hear the voice of Christ in what this man is saying? Does it accord with the truth? Does it square with the word? Let me ask you, do you hear with a humble, teachable, believing heart? Do you come as a Berean, taking the things that you hear and holding them up alongside the word of God to see if what the pastor is preaching or what this friend is teaching or what you're hearing from somebody's lips squares with the word of God? A little deviation leads you a long way from Christ over time. Do you listen intently to hear Christ speaking to you? Lord, if nobody else hears, and I pray that they do, but Lord, I'm here to hear your voice. Let me not go away disappointed. So you plead with David. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in thy commandments. Brethren, Jesus' sheep hear his voice, and what? And they follow him. You will never be led astray from Christ into dangerous and damning false doctrine if you are careful in how you hear and heed the word of God. Hear it and practice it. Finally, if you would grow in your knowledge of the Bible and usefulness as a Christian, use what ministry opportunities the Lord provides you. You know, I'm encouraged when I hear, I I had an opportunity to talk to my neighbor about the Lord Jesus. It's been a long time. I haven't said much. And now... It was evident that the Lord bent his ear over my mouth. And he gave me boldness to speak. Or I hear raised prayer requests here. I want to speak with so-and-so, this person that I work with, or my neighbor, or a family member, or somebody seated next to me on an airplane. You want to be useful, use your opportunities for usefulness. The Lord gives you gifts and serving opportunities to grow you in his knowledge and in gospel usefulness. Use those gifts and opportunities for his glory and others good and he will give you more. I mean, we, we see this even in the world, in the workplace. A man that's busy about what he's doing, he's listening to his boss, he's doing what he says, he goes back and he asks to learn more, that man will stay busy. He will stay employed. But the guy that's sitting on his hands and maybe just watching his phone, and he has things he needs to do and he's not doing them, well, the boss isn't going to give him further opportunities for advancement. He will give you more as you use what you have. He'll grow you in your gifts. He'll invest. As you invest your light, you will gain more light that you might yet invest in others. Brethren, the world's maxim 
use it or lose it, has a gospel application. Jesus applies this axiom both as a promise and as a warning. It is the Bible's teaching. To whom much is given, he will give more. But those who don't use what they've been given, they'll lose what they think they even have. Proverbs 10 and verse 4 reads, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We see gospel application flowing out of that. But brethren, as we close, let us remember that it is only by the grace of Christ that we are able to serve him and serve others acceptably. We can't do this by our own strength. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God to warm our hearts and open our mouths. We need the grace of God to enable us to speak with compassion and passion, with brokenhearted boldness to those who are without hope and without God in this world. With a tear in our eye and maybe a cry in our voice, because we know what they don't know. We have light and they're in darkness. Brethren, let us not think, well, we'll just be quiet as maybe we've done before and think, well, somebody else will speak with him. Maybe God has raised us up at such a time as that to speak to them. And let us believe that that word of God is powerful to the saving of sinners. Everyone who believes is saved. May Paul's testimony be ours as we seek to use, to be useful testimonies in our lives and with our lips of God's saving grace and his glory for the benefit of others. Remember Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll close with this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Oh, and may that be our testimony, brothers and sisters, as we seek to to apply what we've learned this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you and we would confess our sin. And we would ask that you would forgive us through Jesus Christ, that you would cause our lights to burn the more brightly, and that we would buy up opportunities that you provide for us. We wouldn't bury our our talent. We wouldn't hide our light under a bushel basket, but rather we would put it on a lampstand to illumine all that are around us. Help us to see this as a great privilege to walk as lights, as children of light in this sin-darkened world. The sinners might be saved. The kingdom of God would be extended in the world. That Jesus Christ, as it were, would see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. That we would be privileged to be involved in the building of that kingdom against which the gates of hell shall not prevail. Whatever place we have, in our homes, in our spheres of influence, in our workplace. Lord, help us not to put that light under the bushel basket, but to 
put it high, high on the candlestick that others might see and run to the light. And in running to the light, come to Jesus and be saved. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.